everybody, what's going on? It is Friday. It is not Friday. It is Wednesday, December 27th. You wish. You wish it was <laughs> we were just talking about Friday. And you are watching and listening to the Daily AI Show uh, with Andy and Beth so far. Um, today, we are talking about the news. And while uh, AI never sleeps, neither does AI news, although it was a relatively... A uh, slow week, um, but uh, but things have been percolating. When it's a slow week, we get we get a chance to see what had happened in the other really busy weeks. So uh, so that's where we are. Andy, do you have a story you want to start with? Yeah, you know I um, we there was big news a while back about the AI pin, and it kind of oh, right. opened our mind to the idea of having an omnipresent channel through to your personal assistant and uh and i haven't really heard any news about that lately uh but i believe that there are a number of people who paid the heavy upfront cost around 700 dollars to get that pin and to start to use that very sophisticated system offered by humane ai mm -hmm. um but did you uh, get you know, one for the holiday <laughs> no, no, I, I didn't. I didn't bite the bullet on that one because um, it, it, it. I'm just concerned about, you know, whether it's really going to have. I'd like a trial offer on on that level of expense because not only do you have to pay for the device, but then you also subscribe for twenty four dollars a month. I think it is to have access to their AI platform. Um, and it's, it's, it's an incredible interface, I'm sure, including a laser, uh, you know, display right. onto your hand, which is very cool. Uh, you know, you just hold your hand up to your chest where the AI pin is, and it, it'll actually present images onto your hand uh, and text. Right. But, um, in a, I, you know, I wear earbuds when I'm out and about working, uh, and I listen to the radio or, you know, NPR typically. To, you know, show you where my head is at and, and or listen to music, you have to pay another $20 for the music feed. So it starts oh, to get, wow. you know, the whole AI pin world starts to get, you know, very expensive. Now, a lot of people who criticize that particular model uh, held up that, you know, this really should be a part of the phone. You know, right. it, 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 you know, it should be a part of the phone. So uh, Joni Ive, is Apple's former chief design officer. And uh, the reports came out this week that they're that he and uh, OpenAI CEO Sam Altman, so OpenAI and Joni Ive are collaborating on a new AI hardware device. Don't know anything about what the device is, but it's, uh, it's exploring new hardware for the AI age. Uh, so I'm excited about that one because uh, I, I'd, I'd hope that it's an accessory to the Apple device <laughs> that I already own. Well, anyway, that's the first one I'll, I'll show. Right. I, mean, I can't show anything, but I, I'll right. bring it to your attention. Absolutely. And the uh, like Apple iPhone has not had a real competitor for a while, right? There's the Google phone, there's the window phone. There are people who absolutely love their Androids. Hey, Junmi, I know uh, you would be like <laughs> popping in here to say uh, not everyone has an iPhone. Uh, also, Aaron, 
uh, is uh, is not an iPhone user, um, but I, that's really exciting. I think um, not related to that because I think it's a completely separate thing. But um, OpenAI is now entering into a hundred billion dollar valuation, which would put nice. it as the second most valued startup. The first is SpaceX. Um, and it's interesting, that's interesting, because one, it's the first valuation of OpenAI that's happened since the, the firing and blow up. So it's sort of an indication from the market that we like what's happened, right? And yeah. we feel it's more stable now, that's all right. Um, and the second thing is that there is also an on the table $89 billion valuation that is linked to employees being able to sell some of their shares um, or whatever the appropriate share word is, if it's not a share yet, <laughs> but yeah. insert what employees own in pieces there and they can yeah, sell some of those. Thing, given the, the corporate structure of that, it's not, not clear that it could be a phantom stock kind of thing okay. yeah uh but anyway um it's just mind-boggling because you know in the world of startups a unicorn is a one billion valuation wow and when you reach a one billion valuation with a startup of you know, a reasonable size like even 100 200 300 employees you're you're minting many millionaires Right. Not only many, but many millions of millions for each of those people in that thing. That's just on a one billion valuation. So the wealth accumulation for the people who've been granted those stock mm -hmm. or equity, uh, you know, instruments is mind boggling, really mind boggling to, to kind of come out at the close to 100 billion valuation it just means that there's a lot of people who are making more money than they can ever conceivably spend in their lives unless they're just, you know, going to waste it. Right. So I, I, I'm going to shift over to a, another one, which is uh, Australian researchers have developed an, a non-invasive AI translation using just electroencephalograph. So not fMRI, just an EEG. So, you know, you got the, the you know, You've seen the pictures before. You've got the little, you know, sensor pads that are, you know, stuck to your head. But you put that on. I've had on. those. I've had those, Have and you? I tell you, yeah. it's it's harder with hair. It's like so much <laughs> yeah. harder with hair. My, my <laughs> mapping of my brain using EEG will be much easier. <laughs> so anyway, they tested on subjects who are reading silently. <clears throat> it achieves 40% accuracy today and they're working toward 90% accuracy. So what it's doing is it's, it's examining what's happening through this EEG. The AI is then interpreting that and it can actually output the and voice what it is that you're just reading silently. So oh, wow. imagine the applications for people who are uh, having difficulty, uh, you know, um, speaking themselves, right? all they have to do is think about the words and those words can be voiced by the AI computer. So people who've had a stroke and can no longer speak because they don't have the muscular control over their voicing system in their, in their wetware, right. uh, 
so anyway, amazing technology is moving so fast. Uh, and and I, I'm sure there's going to be some entertainment applications for that as well. Right. I actually have a friend um, who has cerebral palsy and uh, and the, the assumption is that they have um, complete cognitive right development, but yeah. just an inability to communicate that. And uh, and you know, like, but many years ago, the the technique for that was like, you know, can I control my head and then right. spell things right. from what I'm hitting? <clears throat> um, now it's a little bit more like, can I? Can you track my eyes? Can I control my eyes in a way that now you right. can? I can spell things out. But being able to just like mind uh, reading, skip this is mind that reading. and mind just, reading, oh, it could be amazing. It yeah. could be amazing. So entertainment, uh, but like, yay, accessibility with a capital A. Yeah. Awesome. Um, okay. So Australia also just released um, guidelines for using AI in the courtroom, in their legal system, which um, I think is interesting. I've not really uh, done a super deep dive into that because this is just the release of the guidelines. Like it's not, there's not a, a research study um, that shows how it's being, um, being affected. But uh, what I think is interesting about this is that the, the direction that this is taking is guidelines for the use of AI in the court system, not what other countries are doing um, is putting guidelines mm -hmm. about how it can't be used, right? Like yeah. really trying yeah. to minimize it. Now that could just be the headline. <laughs> um, so it may be deep in the article where it just has a little bit, but, um, but I like the embrace of this is inevitable and therefore let's, uh, let's put some parameters in place and let's look at the positive places where it can be used while also limiting the, the harm that it could possibly do. Yeah, <clears throat> very good. Okay, moving right along, as you can uh, see from my tagline, I, I'm very interested in the educational and training opportunities that are presented by AI and particularly interested in the user experience design for that to try to make it possible to learn faster and more completely with higher retention than we do today in the typical lecture format or you know watch a video and take a little quiz after it. Mm -hmm. And uh, so personal tutors are of, of particular interest to me. So I wanna share with you something that um, comes from the world of gaming. So we, we sometimes, uh, sometimes uh, speak about <clears throat> personalization and gamification of educational experiences. And did I, there it comes. There okay. we go. Yeah. So, uh, so describe what we're seeing, Andy. Okay. What you're seeing is you're seeing the homepage, uh, actually not the homepage, but the solutions uh, page for education from a company called InWorld which is doing non-player characters for games. So it's a gaming, gaming development engine, and it has characters that will be in virtual worlds and or video games that are, are you know, articulated by AI. So they have some smarts. Uh, there's, a, there's a companion uh, article 
that came out saying the first minds that will be presented via AI are going to be inside games. So the right. delivery of right. minds in there, you know, act active characters that have their own personalities and can modify themselves actually in the context of play. And when I say use the word context, I, I use it there meaningfully, meaning it knows what the situation is, it, it knows what who you are and what your interests are, and it can modify its behavior based on those cues. Wow. Anyway, what you're seeing is just a picture of an AI character and it says a new class of learning experiences. And if I, let me go to that um, thing. And if I scroll down here, you can see there's lots of different kinds of characters, a little wise owl. You can imagine, you know, uh, working with the headline for a, a smart fox wearing a college, you know, <laughs> uh, is, uh, is built with learning in mind. And, and, and so anyway, I, I was very interested in seeing how the tools that are delivered to game developers could be married with large language models in order to develop a, an interactive tutor. Uh, and so that's very interesting to me. It might be, it might show its way first into games, but I think you'll start to see this kind of, of uh, you know, real-time generated AI characters with some smarts behind them showing up right. in education as well. Absolutely. And uh, and like it's just kind of important to understand the um, where wealth gets created or where the the money is in these industries, right? And there is money in games. So when that technology gets uh, gets elevated in that kind of way, then uh, then it sort of spreads out. Uh, with others. I remember uh, a bunch of years ago, there was a game where you got to um, kill your cancer cells, right? Yeah. Like you yeah. got to, you literally like it, it was all about the, the like the same <clears throat> war technology that is really popular in games. But this was like, hey, I'm healing. I'm imagining the cancer cells. I'm going to go and do that. All right. Uh, let's say hello to Jen Schwartz. Hi, Jen. Uh, good morning. Thank you, Jen. Morning, Andy and Beth. <laughs> And uh, think to voice, yes, amazing, absolutely amazing. Um, okay, so Writer Buddy um, is, uh, I assume, a writing um, tool, writing tool website, uh, but put together um, a scraped information research. So it scraped data from the web and it came up with the 50 most visited AI tools with over 24 billion visits. I am going to uh, share that. Okay. There we go. Share. Okay, so what we're looking at is basically a circle graphic um, that has uh, circles inside it that show that are their size is based on how many visits. Um, and part of what's interesting about this graphic is OpenAI has the majority, right? ChatGPT with 14.6 billion total <clears throat> visits. And that far outweighs the next one down, which is character.ai. And boy, do those people, like, <laughs> they're not, I do not hear about character.ai very much. Like, they're not the same business people that we're talking with. But 
um, 3.8 billion for character AI. So if you look at just the relationship between those two, right, 14.6 billion to 3.8 billion, you can see still how much of a lead OpenAI and ChatGPT has in this, which could totally relate to the $100 billion valuation. Um, yeah, just the ratio, the ratio of like, you know, imagine now BARD is available for anybody who's using Google. Right. Um, and BARD has less than a quarter of 1 billion. Yeah. <laughs> right. And, and OpenAI is close to 15 billion. That's right. the ratio of, of usage. Right. And um, so BART is the third, the third most with 241.6 million visits. Um, and then there are these interesting things. There's janitor.com, janitorai.com. Um, U.com is, or U.ai, sorry. Um, uh, U.com is now starting to be like, I'm starting to see people talk about it. They've done a big push with the influencers um, in the AI world. And it's interesting. It's basically one of those things that lets you build kind of your own search engine. So you build it so that it's uh, kind of tailored to you. Perplexity is next, our buddy Perplexity. Mm -hmm. And then we get into uh, Crush On is a not safe for work AI uh, <laughs> that will uh, speak all kinds of things to you, should you want them to speak, right? So, so now we're seeing these kinds of um, technologies starting to break into the highly most visited. Um, and uh, this again is at Writer Buddy. Um, so if you want to check it out, uh, one of the uh, other uh, things, uh, scroll over to, uh, the video services there where, okay. um, yeah, there you go. Yeah. So you were just telling me before the show that you had done some images on mid journey, which is your favorite. It's right. the leader by, by a long shot, uh, you know, like five, close to four times what the next one is. Twice um, as many as Bard. <laughs> <laughs> right. Yeah. So Midjourney is doing extremely well. I'm I'm I have a little bit of news about Leonardo.a. We've talked about uh, you know, and th that's number four in that chain of uh, you know use highly used video generation uh, tools. It's uh, Leonardo.ai is um, Brian's favorite. He really likes using that. Um, I uh, uh, saw news here about them adding the the static image to motion video yep. uh, capability. It's a, a, a key capability. So you can generate an image from Leonardo mm -hmm. and, and or, you know, we've talked about it in the context of OpenAI's Dolly. You can generate an image. And I showed uh, on the Toys Day uh, for Christmas, I, I showed taking an image from Dolly and then using Decohere, another one that earlier than Leonardo delivered this ability to just add motion to a static image. It right. figures out what parts of that image, segments it, ought to move, uh, and, and then add some video motion to it on, on a very short clip, like four seconds, whatever. I haven't tried Leonardo.ai's version of that, but this is going to be 
a way for you to do advanced uh, development of short form videos mm-hmm. uh, for marketing purposes, uh, for entertainment purposes and so on. But in, in the company context that a lot of our viewers are interested in, uh, using Leonardo.ai, uh, it should be a way for you to get something on your website or into your social media um, you know, feeds that uh, is a little more eye-catching and, right. and easy to generate with these brand new tools. By the way, one of the things that's a real limitation for those is when you want to have some text embedded into the image. And there are only certain of the video and or image generating tools that do that reliably many of them don't really translate the text and the spelling, if you will, and formation of the, of the uh, font uh, with, with reliability. So I, I'm yeah. not sure whether Leonardo does that or not. Uh, I'm not sure either, but we on Friday are doing a show this Friday. We're doing a show about upscalers. So I will be trying Leonardo. Okay, um, good. Uh, I will also say another thing that happened this week Um Pika, I think it's Pika, P-I-K-A, maybe it's Pika, I think but Pika. I think it's yeah, Pika, but, okay, yeah. um, dot art is, uh, it has been an animation, like it had the ability to create um, interesting things prior to this, but they came out with their 1.0, which is no longer something that's used um, via Discord, which is what their previous one was. Now 1.0 is on the website and they made it available to everyone who was on the wait list on a happy holiday Christmas. Um, So if you have been on the wait list and you don't know this, go to the website and see if it no longer says you're on the wait list, but hey, let's make some stuff together. Um, I, uh, Aaron did get an email. I checked all my stuff. I did not get an email, but I do have access to the tool. Um, and that was very exciting. The, I, I think, uh, and tomorrow we're talking about our, our, um, recommendations are, are like, what do we predict it's going to happen in 2024? Um, but based on the end of 2023, it seems clear that motion and video is, is one of the, like, growth areas like massive growth areas yes indeed the other thing about mid-journey in this um uh graphic that came out talking about mid-journey was the most used at 500.4 million but that represented a decrease in how much use it had had Mm. prior to that um, oh. Which I think is interesting. And I have heard a bunch of people just anecdotally like, okay, nope, I canceled my mid-journey subscription because I find I'm not using it very much anymore. Um, oh. I am not canceling my mid-journey subscription and I am perhaps going up a level in mid-journey subscription just because of the quality of the images are just delightful and i can't wait to show you some of those on friday so come back because that will be a a visual show uh andy what else do you have i got nothing that's it you got nothing uh, most of our team is gone you know we're a catchment system for lots of interesting (laughs) angles and facets of the world of ai and with just beth and me here that's that's all the news that's fit at this point all right. Uh, I have a couple more. Good. One talking about videos. 
Um, I also wonder if that has, uh, Greg, um, I also wonder if that has more to do with more people using the API. Interesting. Interesting. So Midjourney doesn't have an official API, um, but it could be that more people are using uh, the API um, and also Dolly's API, right? Like there could be, you're right. Uh, I think uh, I think API use is not being um, captured in those stats. So um, uh, what is the name of this and how do I pronounce it? It is... Um, so there is a data set, um, and it's the largest data set powering AI images, um, and it was um, removed, and it, uh, L-A-I-O-N, Lion, Leon, Lion, um, data sets removed, and that is because Stanford did some analysis in it, and uh, it had child sexual abuse material in it. Now, most of those are likely scraped from the web. The web is wonderful and also um, it's kind of a horrific <laughs> um, situation as well. Um, and, uh, and so that's like a real positive thing, I think, that, that it was discovered that the data set was removed from that. I do know that there are... Um, that that when you're not very specific in a prompt, sometimes uh, you get a bunch of like I tend to. Um, there's an Asian young woman who looks afraid who comes like gets entered into things in a bunch of stable uh, stable diffusion generations when you're not super specific. Um, so I imagine that uh, that some of that is there, and of course we want AI to be safe for everyone ethical, safe. Um, all right. The other one that I thought was interesting is about the, oh, this relates to what Andy was talking about. I wonder if it's the same story. Balls of human brain cells linked to a computer have been used to perform very basic speech recognition. The hope is that some systems will use far less energy than AI in AI tasks than silicon chips. So the human brain cells are connected to a computer, right? So like this is the beginning of the, <laughs> it's yeah. not an EEG patch. It's my uh, chat GPT thing. It's no longer my glasses. It's just, yeah. <laughs> it's well, just right. like... So that's, a, that's something that I know that Elon Musk has formed a startup to work on. Right. Um, do you know what the name of that startup is? This is about embedding uh, embedding something into your brain right. as an interface. Uh, but what you're talking about is is actually quite interesting. It's it's external to the to your personal brain. You're gonna right. have to use your own uh, you know sensors to you know to interpret what's coming out of a wet plus silicon uh, system. <clears throat> so. Grow, grow human brain cells in a petri dish, uh, you know, lump them together, and they become a neural network uh, right. that you can train. Which makes sense, right? I mean, of course. Yeah, it, yeah, it does. It, it becomes a neural network. Um, it recognizes Japanese vowel sounds. So I am assuming that this is um, a team out of Japan or somewhere in Asia. Um, yeah. And uh, this article is in the New Scientist. 
Um, and very cool. The other thing I have to mention Salesforce, although um, it's hilarious, Salesforce just put out a video, right? Like these other things that we're talking about are like, this is a new capability. Salesforce put out a video uh, that said data is the new gold and uh, we're not moving too fast. So um, that that's that. The other story that I want to highlight is Apple's ferret. So Apple has been quiet so that, yeah. and all of us have sort of said, you know, we know they're working on it. In fact, they've come out, uh, there've been reports, right? All of their research money is being devoted to AI, but they are very Apple about it and they are being quiet um, uh, until of course they release something massive. Apple's ferret, so that's a multimodal machine learning model. They released it in October as open source. So they dumped it on uh, GitHub. They probably gently uh, placed it on GitHub, GitHub, not dump. Um, and they have uh, done a little bit of update, which I think is why this uh, article is being written. And that article was um, in, uh, on December 24th by Malcolm Owen. Um, and Apple is partnering with Cornell University. And one of the things that this is uh, interesting about is that, and I'm hearing an echo, so we'll see. Um, let's just close all of that and see if I can make that go away. Um, <laughs> you're, you're, you're not echoing on this side. Oh, good. Uh, so, Apple's ferret is also also multimodal. So the new um, models that we're talking about as they're coming out are multimodal, which means that they are um, audio, video, and text. Likely both trained in, like pulling them in and potentially communicating mm -hmm. that way as well. Yeah, right so now, so imagine, imagine that you have your iPhone and uh, you can talk to your ferret, powered AI assistant uh, and just say, like, <laughs> you know, look, look what's on this screen, Ferret. <laughs> you know, <laughs> I, you know, I, you, know you, I, you just showed me this, but, you know, like take a second look at that and give me some more explanation about what's down there in the lower left corner. Yeah. That's, that's potentially the, uh, you know, eventual capability that's provided by a multimodal LLM that Apple's thinking about. So right. making your phone more interactive because the phone interface is both voice and it's screen. Like we spend a lot of screen time. So right, right. Should be thinking about that ferret is thinking about those screens. <laughs> and it is, it connects to what we were talking about yesterday in terms of being able to shrink images down and have the AI consume all of the content of the image because AI can see smaller than we can. Right. And so I thought it was interesting that mm. Apple came out and said, yes, you can actually ask about the content in the lower left quadrant, in the tiny lower left quadrant. All right. Well, so before we go, let's let's okay. uh, respond to Greg, uh, who uh, offered the question about, you know, maybe more ah. API numbers are are being missed in the in that ranking. He's saying, well, um, the the next comment was he, he was referring to OpenAI's drop in numbers. Yeah, it, you know, 
if OpenAI suffered a drop in numbers and they're still in order of magnitude larger than everybody else, I don't think it's really affecting them much. But you're right. There could be some variability that's associated with the measurements that they're making. Like, are these live, uh, are the, all of these being measured as live visits to websites, which is a little more, it's, it's easier data to collect? Or, or does it incorporate, you know, those people who are using the uh the APIs, you know, right. system to system connections to the, those generative la language models. Uh, I, I I suspect that the, the, that is not being measured. So you're probably right, Greg. I I'm going to be on your side on that one. I think probably OpenAI's total volume of traffic is is yeah. even larger than what you're seeing in terms of actual visits to their website. Absolutely. And you think about mm. GPTs as being something that is pulling people in, but it was just announced, right? Uh, six weeks ago, eight weeks ago. And then uh, it, things blew up and then they didn't let people join, right? So like there's a bunch of impediments to that and the GPT store hasn't opened yet. So like they've already got irons mm. in the fire to expand beyond. Yeah, so even when they had to to uh, you know, forego allowing new users to sign up for ChatGPT Plus, which gives you access to a lot of additional features in OpenAI's system. Uh, the the API access was you know still humming along. You could still sign up for API. Uh, so yeah, I, I wonder what the split. That's a great question. Let's let's see if we can find the answer to that question. What's the split of traffic between people accessing ChatGPT through the web? and people who are accessing the, the very same models, but via the API. That sounds like a great question for our old friend, Perplexity. And yeah. uh, tomorrow <laughs> we will be talking about our predictions about what's coming in 2024. And we really wanna know your predictions too. So uh, go ahead and leave uh, comments on uh, the Daily AI Show on LinkedIn or send them to us, uh, the Daily AI Show at gmail.com. And uh, thank you so much for joining us. Yeah. Um, I am going to, yeah, this is, you can tell I'm the replacement. <laughs> You're a great producer. Thanks, everybody. We'll see you tomorrow.